We're going to turn right now to the Word of God, and in particular to Matthew chapter 17, reading from verse 1. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17, reading from verse 1. Matthew 17, verse 1, reads like this. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. I read recently a quote by an American writer called David, uh, sorry, Henry David Thoreau. He lived in the 1800s and he was a writer and a poet and an essayist and he wrote very much about nature and the natural world. That was what he believed was his key thing and, and his work is still read today and it's still analysed and it's still held in the highest of esteem. And there came a point in his life when he really wanted to focus even more on this writing and so he moved into a cabin in the woods so that he could focus on what he felt was most important for him. And he wrote about that later in his life. He said, I moved into the woods so that I could live deliberately. I moved into the woods so that I could live deliberately. I was struck by those words. I wondered what it would mean for me to live more deliberately than I do perhaps today in my faith in Jesus Christ? What's my equivalent of moving into the woods? How can I be in a place where I'm living deliberately to serve and to know the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know about you, but two things have happened to me since I used a computer every day of my life. First of all, my spelling has gone completely haywire. It's because there's spell check on it. I don't know if that resonates with you. And secondly, I, I don't know if I can punctuate any documents ever again. I just seem to have lost it completely. Thank God for Elaine and for Dawn and for Gemma, <coughs> excuse me, and for Maggie, who are a team of administrators here at the church. And I send them a document. And when they send it out, it looks like it's been made by an adult. But before that, I couldn't guarantee it. And punctuation is vital. You know that and I know that. You know, if you read a newspaper from the beginning to the end, when you're reading it, if there's no punctuation, there comes a point when it doesn't make sense anymore. 
You know, you read it and you're not sure whether these should be quotation marks. Is this a statement or is this something that someone is saying? Or is it a question because there's no question mark? And should it stop here? Should it run on to the next thing? And the more you read without punctuation, the more what you're reading at speed seems to make less sense. I want to suggest to you this morning that even in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes there's very little in the way of spiritual punctuation marks. We live at such a pace that there are no real spaces, no real stops, no real pauses, just a continuing round of responsibilities and hard work sometimes and duties. And those things are not wrong in themselves and they can be good, but without the punctuation of God time, without the punctuation of God moments, even our Christian lives can run on at such speed that they don't seem to make sense anymore. And we need to do something similar to moving into the woods. We need perhaps to make some changes that say, here are the punctuation marks that will allow me to live deliberately for Jesus. <coughs> Henry Nouwen, the writer and priest, knew this feeling of life being lived in a constant rush. In his book, The Genesee Diaries, he asks this question. I wondered, is there a quiet stream underneath the affirmations and rejections of my little world? Is there a still point where life is anchored and from which I can reach out with hope and confidence? Is there a place where my life is anchored? And I think the answer is yes. There are still points. There are and can be punctuation points in our life with Christ, ways of living deliberately for him in order to really come into relationship with him and in order to experience all that Jesus promised when he said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Next week on Wednesday, the season of Lent begins. It's a season in which Christians all over the world will prepare themselves for the coming of Easter and the celebrations we have of Christ's death and resurrection. I love the definition of seasons given by David Runcorn in one of his books. He says they are the purposeful rhythms and cycles of life. And I ask myself if for me and perhaps for all of us this year that Lent could be a purposeful rhythm and cycle, part of our lives which enables us to deepen our walk with Christ. Could we live deliberately through Lent? Could it be a time of punctuating our life with God moments in a special way? See, Lent comes from an old English word which means to lengthen. It's about the fact that we move out of winter and into the springtime. In the springtime, the days are longer because the light become, it comes earlier and it lasts longer. As one writer has put it, we move from the cold and dark of winter to the warmth and light of spring. And even as I say those words, you might be here this morning and in your heart there's a yes. You're saying, I want to move from the cold and dark of winter in my spiritual walk right now and I want to move into the warmth and light of a freshness in my walk with Jesus Christ. So how? Over recent weeks I've meditated on this passage of Matthew chapter 17 and it's become important to me. It's become a blessing to me. And I want to say to you, first of all, I'm not encouraging you to ask God for a transfiguration experience, okay? It was a one-off 
in Scripture. In fact, not all the disciples experienced it, just three of the twelve. I'm not asking that, but I'm asking the question, are there principles we can learn from this particular passage of Scripture that might help us to walk more closely with our God? And I think there are. So here's the first thing, very simply, I want you to notice. It's in verse 1 of the reading, that Jesus calls the three disciples to be with him. They go to walk up a mountain or probably a steep hill. Can I say this to you this morning? More than we ever realise, just being with him is what Jesus often wants for us. See, it's possible to be really busy for Jesus without being busy with Jesus. It's possible to work very hard for him, but not actually to have a very deep relationship with him. And countless writers and teachers and pastors and leaders and all kinds of people, missionaries, have got to a stage where what they're giving out doesn't match what's being given in. Instead of working out of relationship with Jesus, they work eventually to burnout because they were never called to work at that rate and speed, but to be with him more often than they realize. He calls his disciples to be with him. Notice, although they have to climb the mountain with him, they're not asked to do anything when they arrive. He doesn't start testing them on their knowledge of the Torah. He doesn't start giving them a teach on how they need to go out and evangelize the world. That did take place at various points, but not on this occasion. He doesn't ask them to pray with him. There's no agenda for this meeting. On this occasion, they're just being with Jesus. It's all he invites them to do. And simply being present with Jesus is so often difficult for us. It feels like we're not doing anything. <clears throat> feels like we're not doing anything for him, just being with him. But often just slowing down to be with him is what makes all the difference. It's what enables our listening to him. <clears throat> it's what enables us to be deliberate in our walk with him. You'll all be familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan, the story that Jesus told. And, and the three people who come across the young Samaritan man who's been beaten up and left in the road. But I want you to think about this this morning. There is only one hero in this story. And the clear and obvious hero is the man who stopped. It's not the two who hurried by on the other side. But the man who stops is the one who has time to assess the situation. And the one who stops is the one who has time to see what needs to be done in order to rectify the situation. The hero, the good Samaritan, is the one who stops and takes time. I love the summary of the life of Enoch. I know it means much more than this that we read in Genesis chapter 5, which simply says Enoch walked with God. Walked with God. I know that there are times in my own life <clears throat> and in yours, where it is necessary to run, where it's necessary to act promptly and fastly, sometimes over a longish period of time. But if that becomes our total lifestyle, we're in a great deal of danger. And, and Enoch, the summary of his life in God's word is simply that he walked with God, not ahead of God. Didn't run all his life. He walked with God. See, when Jesus physically lived on earth, <clears throat> the speed of walking was three miles an hour. Talking with Mark Cohen earlier this week, I think Mark and I both had cars that did three miles an hour in the past. Jesus 
lived on earth, the average speed of walking was three miles an hour. I wonder what speed we journey with Jesus at through our lives. I wonder, could this Lent season be a season to create the space, to be with him, to create the punctuation places of space with Jesus, to be deliberate in our walk with him? Listen to me, slowing down is good for your family life. Slowing down is good for your mental health. I know that from personal experience. Slowing down is good for your physical health. And slowing down might be absolutely vital for some people here this morning who feel overwhelmed by life. And slowing down with Jesus is essential if you really want to know and love him. And so here's something to take from this story. Jesus calls the disciples to be with him and they obey. They are with him without an apparent agenda. And then secondly, because they agree to be with him, something else happens. And it's found in verse 2. Read it with me. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. In other words, because they agreed to be with him, they caught a glimpse of his glory. Transfigured means <clears throat> there is a change in outward appearance. You can read about it clearly in the Gospels. His face shone like the sun and his clothes were as white as the light. Luke says his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. In other words, because they agreed to spend time with him, there was a fresh revelation of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to ask myself a question this morning. You may want to ask it too. There's no pressure. Have I ever really caught a glimpse of the glory of Jesus? Have I ever given enough time to look on him and ponder on him to see who this is that I worship and follow? They agreed to spend time with him and his revelation to them left a lasting impression. We know that from what they wrote. John, in his first chapter and verse 14 of his gospel, says this, We beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. It's what I remember writing my gospel. I need to get this in right at the beginning of my gospel. There was a moment in my life on the Mount of Transfiguration. I, with James and Peter, were caught up, not with the fact that we were with Jesus or Jesus was on our side, but we were caught up with the reality of the glory of Jesus Christ. Peter writes about it. In 2 Peter 1, verse 16, I love these words. He says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Jesus, who is glorious and majestic. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 6 about God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light. Paul Peter, John, somehow they catch a glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Again, Paul writes in the book of Re sorry, John writes in the book of Revelation in the first chapter, and he uses this phrase, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. 
I don't know what that means, but may I suggest to you what John is saying was, I was in a place, I had positioned myself, I was deliberately living in order that I might catch a glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ. See, it's important for us to have time just to be with him and to gaze on Jesus. And maybe over these days, these days of Lent, you could carve out some time, husbands and wives, or on your own. You could earmark in your diary a time maybe late in the evening or before you eat or at some point in the lunch hour where you can just focus on the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you'd want to meditate on John chapter 1 or Hebrews chapter 1 or Colossians chapter 1 and all it says about the glory of the Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe during Lent that's all you do. Focus on Jesus. Last year I had the privilege of going on a quiet day with three other men. One friend of mine called Tony invited me to go. I knew one of the other guys, the other man I didn't know. And we were blessed. We went to South Yorkshire, out in the countryside. And uh, it was an old barn conversion with a, a log burner and plenty of coffee. And I was very much at home and looking forward to a great day. And while we were there, we began by reading some prayers and some responses. And Tony led us. And at, at one point... He led us in some words from Psalm 27, and they've just stayed with me since they changed my day. They became the focus of everything I did over the next few hours. David wrote these words. One thing I desire of the Lord. This is what I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Listen, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his holy temple. I, knew, I know David did loads of other things as well, but I love that passion in him. One thing I desire, this is what I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his holy temple. I wonder if people said, enough of that now, David, there's some practical stuff to do. Come and do some admin. Don't even think about spending time gazing on the glory of the Lord. There's so much other stuff for you to do. Come on, do something that's going to produce something. Get busy, David. But these three disciples, Peter, James and John, they listen to the call to be with Jesus. Suddenly they see him who he was because they caught a vision of his glory and his majesty. I want to confess to you this morning, I need that. It is possible that you do too. Finally, let me just say this. They were with him. They caught a vision of his glory. Thirdly, they listened to him. They listened to him. Peter is so excited by the events. We've read it. You're very familiar with them. He says, Lord Jesus, this is what I could do. It's great that we're here. It's fabulous that you're here and Elijah is here and Moses is here. Let me build three shelters. I could build three very nice shelters and we could be here permanently in this place. And a voice comes from heaven very clearly. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Can I suggest to you that these three things are vital for deliberate living? Being with him, seeing him, listening to him. 
Could these be the punctuation marks of life with Christ for the future that might make all the difference for you and indeed for me? I think it was true of the prophet Elijah. You're familiar with this story again in 1 Kings 19, how he finds himself uh, crying out to God and God decides to manifest his presence before Elijah. And you know the story that God, there's a storm that comes and God is not in the storm. Then there's a fire that comes and God is not in the fire. Then there's an earthquake which shakes the ground and God is not in the earthquake, but God is in the whisper, what the NIV calls a gentle whisper. The whispers of God. Would it be wonderful to be more tuned in to the whispers of God? The gentle whispers of our Creator. You have to concentrate very hard to hear a whisper. You can't hear a whisper when you're building a shelter or you're watching television or you're plugged into the computer or you're doing something else. There has to be a moment where you break all that stuff away and you're there ready in the presence of God, gazing upon his glory and you're listening for the whisper of the still, small voice. And I wonder, in this Lent season, as it comes around, could we pause sometime today and ask whether or not we can create a rhythm through this coming season in which being with and seeing his glory and listening to his voice might be transformational for us. I wonder if it's time for you and me to head to the woods. I don't mean literally get the log cabin, though it is appealing some days, isn't it? And to go out there. But sometime in this Lent period, to choose to live deliberately for our relationship with Jesus. Perhaps you live in a really busy family. I get that. I've been there and done it. Maybe it's time as summer approaches in a few months' time to say to the kids, kids, after the summer holidays, you're going to have to choose which night we're out. We cannot be out every night in the way that we are now. You choose two or three nights a week, the rest of the week, we're in together as a family because we just need that time. Maybe husbands and wives can say during the course of Lent, there are two evenings a week where we can perhaps uh, spend half an hour. Maybe late at night, kids are in bed or, or maybe there are a couple of mornings on the way into work in the car. However you choose to do it, maybe we can design some punctuation marks in order that we can grow in our intimacy with Jesus as we wait for Easter to come again. Maybe we need to introduce TV-free evenings, internet-free evenings, telephone-free evenings. You will not die, I promise you. <laughs> In fact, let me use scripture out of context for a moment. If you turn off the computer and the TV and the telephone, you will not die, you will live. <laughs> you will not die, you will live. I know lots of people here got to work hard. You even take homework in the evenings when you don't want to. Some of you are on call, you get called out just when you don't want to get called out. But let me just challenge you gently with this question. If the reason you're working hard is for something bigger and for something better, can you ask yourself the question, is it really worth it if I'm not in communion with my Saviour?
So what can I change today? What can I change this week? What can I change this month for this Lent that will allow me to enjoy the punctuation marks of relationship with Jesus and help me to live deliberately with him and for him and in him? Maybe Jesus is calling you this morning to be with him, to see his glory, to listen to his voice. Maybe this Lent, starting Wednesday, could be the best Lent you have ever had in your life. Well, if it is, and even if it isn't, may God bless you as you plan to live deliberately for him. Amen. We're going to come and we're going to worship the Lord together this morning as we bring our service to a close. Let me encourage you in those things uh, just to really get into intimacy with God, particularly in this Lenten period and use it as a springboard for the future for you. We're going to sing the song, sorry, King of Kings, Majesty, and uh, I'm going to invite you to stand, and maybe even as you stand, in this act of worship, why don't you lift up your voice to him and just invite him to speak to you and to minister to you over the coming days and weeks. Thank you very much.